Hello again. Here we are at the fifth and final episode of our miniseries Blackout Time Passes. Just for one last time, if you are listening to this and wondering what is happening, you should skip backwards up this feed and start with episode one, Spring. And of course, if you're here waiting for the last episode, your patience will soon be rewarded. Also, thank you for listening. And while we're thanking people, I want to thank Ellen for thinking of this project, for doing so much brilliant work on it, and for bringing it here to the show. It's been an honor and a pleasure to work on this with you. So, one last time, the people you're going to hear from in this episode are Ellen Graham, her sister Andrea, her mother Beth, her uncle Hank, her husband John, and her son Des. So, here's Blackout Time Passes, Episode 5, Spring. This year, what it was like for me was that it wasn't a year. It felt like uh, a dream. This is the very first year where I had ever been unhappy about school ending because I didn't get enough time to make friends. Because the first day where we, when we uh, started fully in person with only a few people online who lived really far away or didn't want to take the bus because it was too crowded or unsafe or whatever, or the bus was closed, I think. It was like, what, six weeks? And I feel like by the by the time I was starting to kind of trace what was gonna be good for me, like in terms of friendship with new people at my new school, uh, school ended. I did the math, it was supposed to be mid-October, based on in-person days. So I'm imagining what it would be like if I had that many more months. That many more months. How how reassuring it would have been, and how, uh, how I would have been able to meet even more new people, and I would be happy with the school year when it ended, but then it came up so quickly and I thought about how the last year had pretty much been a dream. January 10th. Filmed the Pika play yesterday. Mad Lab Young Writers Group today, brainstorming with Tammy and Lisa about the next Theater 29 project. Walked to Merrill with Des in the snow. Friday Night Lights. And a very odd French film called Holy Motors. The final pages of Sadia Hartman's very dense and difficult scenes of subjection. Too many articles, podcasts about everything that happened on Wednesday. The interns cowering in the dark under a conference table in Nancy Pelosi's office as heavy fists banged on the door. The shit and blood smeared on the marble. The gloating face of a woman as she described with delight stealing the speaker's gavel. Heavy boots and leering faces is what makes it feel like fascism. The joy and plunder and debasement. 
The images are always at a low hum in my brain underneath the productive meetings and enjoyable diversions. What's next? What's next? Arnold Schwarzenegger made a sort of lugubrious but mostly great video condemning Trump and his enablers and also describing his upbringing in post-war Austria, all the lost and damaged collaborators left behind. At the end, he actually wielded Conan's sword and compared its steel to our democracy. It becomes stronger as it's tempered. I like this metaphor. I hope it proves to be true. January 12th, House voting on a measure that would call on Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. It will fail. House Republicans aghast, aghast, at having to go through a metal detector to enter the chamber. John back at the Capitol tomorrow. FBI warning that violent demonstrations are possible at all state capitals over the coming week. Busy, busy today getting vaccinations scheduled for community partners. I talked and talked until I was hoarse. The time passed quickly. January 13th. Trump was impeached today. Again. Biden's set to be inaugurated next week. Seven more days of a particular type of tension. Once Biden is in, that particular type might wane, but other anxieties will invent themselves. January 14th. Most of the day alone, and it was glorious. The simple pleasure of letting the radio play through the speakers instead of through my headphones, making lunch just for myself, no interruptions, no voices to tune out, no dirty dishes in the sink. Is my imagination dead? The time slips, slips, slips by with no evidence of its passing, other than Des growing taller and the sun's changing angles. January 20th. Exhilarating to finally write that date. At around 9.40 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, Kamala was sworn in by Sotomayor, who mispronounced her first name, and John, who had been looking tensely at the television, said, Thank God. Kamala's in. We're good. Thinking, I guess, if a sniper were to take Joe out right as he laid his hand on the Bible, we would be okay, because power had been officially transferred. Lady Gaga sang the national anthem and J-Lo sang This Land Is Your Land and I actually sobbed, like out-of-control sobs, not with joy, but with relief. This evening when I turned the radio on, I was alarmed at first. They seemed to be airing a press conference of some kind. Had something bad happened? No, I realized. It was just a press conference, presided over by a plain-spoken and competent press secretary, like we used to have in the world before. January 22nd. Almost forgot to write today as one day bleeds dully into the next. I know the absence of joy is a privileged thing to whinge about, but joy is absent. Guarded optimism about school starting, but the variant makes its way through the population and I fear it. Mum is 11,000th in line for the vaccine at Kaiser, but a lot of her friends have already had it. In a brief fit of rage, I called the state of Colorado vaccination line and the recorded voice informed me that the expected wait time was 215 minutes. I hung up. January 24th. Many dreams last night about a civil war set in the present day. I had to tie the bow on a package in a particular way to show my fealty to a certain faction. Nora was there. I'm quite sure we were not on the same side. To Bar Lake today, eagles were out. A huge female sitting placidly, alone in a tree, looking out over the partially frozen lake. 
Then way off on the ice, a male and a female just sitting together, a small distance apart, for over an hour. Courting, I suppose. It was warmish when we arrived, but the clouds moved in and a gray dampness settled. By the time we got to the car, my fingers were numb. January 25th. Des had his first day inside the school building in 10 months. They lined up outside in their masks, the teachers trying to keep them apart because they gravitate together like particles with opposite charges. I was strangely hyped up today, jittery, maybe anticipating a call from the school, I don't know. I couldn't settle into the idea of him walking home alone, so I went over there to meet him. They were slightly late coming out. There was an initial rush of kids, then nothing, and I started to worry. What, that he'd gotten abducted? Fallen and hurt himself on the way out of the school building? A minute later, a small band of boys appeared over the rise, coming toward us. Des looked so tall and old, I did not recognize him. January 26th. Parents vaccinated. Hallelujah. I had been texting with Jameson yesterday, and he sounded uncharacteristically down, so I called him this evening. We talked about a former co-worker's descent into QAnon about the boarded-up storefronts downtown, about Jane's new job at a chain of teriyaki restaurants, about COVID, of course. At one point, talking about the variant, he interrupted me to say, Well, you know me. I'm no epidemiologist, but I think this thing is going to keep mutating until it's the Black Death. 425,103 deaths and counting. February 7th. Sunday Eve, watched most of the Super Bowl, which involved Tom Brady with his grim cyborg face, handily leading his utterly uninteresting team to victory. Patrick Mahomes tired, out of sorts, bags under his eyes. I couldn't stand to see those fat-bodied defensemen bashing into him, his helmet bouncing on the turf. Made buffalo wings and queso that turned out grainy. These traditions inscribed some sense of time on these featureless days. Continued dry, warm weather bluebird skies, cold winds from the west. I didn't think the stock show would be something I would miss so acutely, but I feel its absence. I miss it. Definitely one of the big pluses was uh, hugging my uh, grandmother uh, after she got her uh, booster shot or her first vaccine or whatever. Uh, that, that was amazing because I hadn't hugged her in like a year or so. And it was, it had been so long that I had almost forgotten it and I'd taken it for granted before, but it was really nice. February 8th, cold and raw day. I walked late in the afternoon. It felt so good, that bracing air. Impeachment trial number two begins tomorrow. 450,000 dead. How tired am I of staring at two-dimensional faces trying to divine their thoughts? I was feeling good on the Princeton Zoom today, confident, but in the final moments after the students left, I felt a strange thrum, an awkwardness, coolness, and wondered, am I fucking it up? Coming on too strong? Making a fool of myself? I do feel weirdly impaired. Video calls so inhibit the senses, curtail what you see, distort what you hear, and amputate touch, smell, movement entirely. My eyes strain, strain into the screen, trying to gather information all on their own. February 9th. Trump trial begins in the Senate. The video of the Capitol riot gave me that same sick, violated feeling, and that moment where a Capitol policeman screams in agony as he's crushed in the crowd. 
Well, Trump will be acquitted, most likely. 11 more Republicans would have to defect to convict, and that is extremely unlikely. So actions have no consequences, children. Do what you like. Today I was on a meet, and suddenly apps started opening, windows careening around the screen, random spreadsheets appearing and disappearing. I was utterly baffled, scared almost for a moment, then realized the power of Bluetooth. Ran downstairs and discovered Des at my desk watching his Spanish lesson on his Chromebook and idly toying with my mouse, circling it on the desktop, clicking wildly. February 10th. New footage of Capitol riots released today. Silent security cam footage of Mitt Romney and Chuck Schumer being herded through dark corridors by security personnel. In both videos, there was a moment where the tension suddenly escalated and they reversed direction and ran out of the frame at top speed. That seething crush of people in those narrow hallways makes my chest seize up a little in sympathetic anxiety. In the spring and summer, I wrote in the early morning outside on the back porch. So I wrote a lot about birds and squirrels and roving cats. Now I write at night, just before bed, stupid with fatigue and my head jumbled with the flotsam and jetsam of the day. But I can say that John refilled the birdbath earlier and about six robins showed up, chatty and pushy, muscling up against each other to get a sip. February 11th, Mackenzie's 23rd birthday. Seeing that video footage of young, shiny-haired interns rushing down the halls of the Capitol on their stocking feet made me think of my darling niece, if she had been the one seeking a place of safety. I need a writing project because there is an unhappy black spot in the middle of everything. There was a time last year when I felt that I, as a white woman, could never write anything again. My feelings have softened, but there's still a foggy cliff's edge right out in front of me that I can't see past. When will people be on stage again, touching each other, screaming into each other's faces? Where do I put all the stuff I used to make into arguments and flirting and confessions between people? Maybe write for the future, I guess, for the fog over the lip of the cliff. February 13th. The Times death count for today is 5,463 with the footnote, includes many deaths from unspecified days. Trump acquitted, of course. Frigid day with the light snow sifting down. Spent a certain amount of time working on the class, went grocery shopping, then cooked nonstop for over four hours. Valentine's cookies, gumbo, chopping onions and green onion and celery and red pepper, mincing garlic, stirring and cooking the roux until the flour dissolved into the butter and turned the color of milk chocolate or wheat coffee in a white mug, broiled chicken, diced and dewy sausage. So many steps, step after step. February 20th. Bought the tickets to Philadelphia. Will it happen? Will we find ourselves in Wildwood lugging our beach stuff down the wooden walkway from the seascape inn? Will we have our Bismarcks, our ravioli and red sauce, our fried shrimp cod scallops with slightly oversteamed corn? Will we get a thin, persistent layer of sand in the bottoms of our suitcases? It used to feel like buying a ticket meant something, meant you were going somewhere. A foolish belief, I realize. Buying the ticket is an act of faith. It doesn't guarantee anything. February 22nd, 500,000 dead. February 24th, tonight the show we were watching featured a funnel cake truck and Des said, we'll have that this summer when we go to Schlitterbahn and gave that happy little bounce, his happy anticipation bounce. 
The variants continue to spread and multiply. So much progress made this month, we'll be slide all the way back down to the bottom of the hill. Just picture the game board of chutes and ladders. Imagine us landing in one of those loathsome slides and slipping all the way to the bottom of the board. One of the Princeton students envisions the coronavirus as a cold, selfish malcontent who drifts from city to city, fathering scores upon scores of destructive children, ignoring the ruin he leaves in his wake. March 2nd, President Biden announced there will be a vaccine for every adult who wants it by the end of May. John becomes eligible on March 21st. States opening up despite the fact cases have stabilized, that is, stopped falling, possibly indicating the variants are taking hold. Killer George Floyd will stand trial soon. The courthouse is already fenced off and reined in by the National Guard, more protection than the Capitol saw on January 6th. March 7th. A year ago this weekend, we went out to the Adams Mystery Playhouse with Michael and Lily, watched Gina play a sexy scientist as we sat shoulder to shoulder with strangers, breathing their alcoholic breath, inhaling their laughter, lining up like cousins at a bar mitzvah to shuffle through the buffet line, chicken or pasta, rectangular tubs of salad, coffee or iced tea by the gallon, rolls with little cold pats of butter on the table. One brownie and one macaroon each for dessert. The next day, we dropped Des at the first Mennonite for his choir rehearsal, ate noodle bowls at Saigon Bowl with the Sunday brunch crowd. Vivid before times memories like that of that Bronco game we watched on September 10th, 2001, the one where Eddie McCaffrey broke his leg. We went to Gina and Michael's today and sat out back, unmasked, took an amble down the greenbelt, a slightly scummy waterway where beavers apparently live, stands of reeds with plastic cups stuck among them, the occasional duck. I commented on how nice it was, and Gina said, Yes, but they did find a body in a suitcase here a few months ago. These friends, these dear friends, here we are, one year later. I actually don't feel the year was a loss. I don't. It was a learning year. It is a learning year painful year full of revelations great and small. And here are our friends still on an unseasonably warm March day walking in the sun down Sanderson Gulch in the direction of where a body was found in a suitcase. Tried to grab Des's hand when we crossed the street against the light but he resisted. He's 12 now and not that much shorter than me. Nothing stopped this year. Nothing stopped. I actually don't think very much about the future of the pandemic. I'm still coping. Like I'm going to be on sabbatical this coming semester and I'm thinking about ways to make it a valuable sabbatical, but make it pandemic proof. My research this summer, I'm going ahead with things I couldn't do last summer. um, But I also have to work extra (laughs) to pandemic proof those you know, make sure that they can be run in ways that can preserve social distancing and everything else, right? Anyway, so I feel like I'm still, I'm thinking about the the future, this summer's experiments and the autumn sabbatical and such, but with a very cautious pandemic bruised (laughs) outlook. I'm sort of in la-la land, I would say. Like the, when are we going to see the kids. I don't know. And thank goodness the last time we were there was when 
Stanley and Poppy and Billy were christened, you know, Stanley was four, three or four weeks old at the time. And now imagine. And then there's been another, Annie had another kid. I don't know if you know that, but. So there's one kid we haven't seen at all. And one kid who's now a year and um, five months, whom we haven't seen since he was three or four weeks old. March 13th, nearly 10 p.m., two inches of snow, so much for snowmageddon. Made big chocolate cake with a one carved neatly into the frosting by Des to commemorate one year of this. March 14th, blizzard warning finally imposed around 2 p.m. Snow fell all day, drifted against the fences in the badminton net, formed little clumps in every window screen as if the wind came from all sides. Even now the snow falls, gently now in the light of the street lamp. Fifteen inches of snow, maybe, but hard to tell. March 17th. At the end of the narrators tonight, Ron was talking about listening to footage from an old show, the last ten minutes before curtain, just the ambient clatter of an audience. He joked that he would release an hour of pre-show audience chatter as a podcast episode, and I almost wept thinking of it. How I love that quiet, happy murmur before the lights go down. Even if the show ends up being terrible, even if I know the show will be terrible, I love that time. Parents over for dinner tonight, corned beef and colcannon and sticky toffee pudding. I cannot remember the last time they came over to sit inside our house. Mum had been to see Dr. Kim and gave a long and detailed description of their conversation. Dr. Kim's desire to get the J&J vaccine because of his sensitive immune system. Dr. Kim's distaste for political protests. Dr. Kim's strong negative feelings about communism, Dr. Kim's convictions that the virology lab in Wuhan is A, run by a music major, and B, sold animals that had been experimented on to the wet market, thereby triggering a global pandemic. I asked him about the pangolin, Mum said. How did you ask him about the pangolin, I asked, then tried to imitate her saying pangolin while numbed up and in the middle of a dental implant. March 18th, six Asian women murdered in Atlanta yesterday by a man who apparently believes he has a sex addiction and wanted to remove temptation from his life. Remember being on a train in Europe with Seth and some large, loud young men, German, Norwegian, Dutch, sat in a small group behind an Asian woman, a solar traveler. One of the men adjusted his seat too suddenly and jolted hard into the back of the Asian woman's seat, so hard she lurched forward and her teeth clacked together. There was no apology. They just laughed, and she turned around halfway to look at them, stricken look on her face. March 22nd. Time passes. Snowy morning, wet electric white spring snow that outlines every branch and bows the spindly fronds of the Russian sage to the ground. We are in a new phase, but I struggle to characterize it. Biden has been president for just over two months. The forces that churn are still churning, certainly. One in six American adults are vaccinated, but the vaccination campaign is racing against the spread of the variants. I picture a tiny but powerful rush of seawater pushing against the bottom of a sandcastle, filling the moat, then finding a weak spot in the wall, pressing and retreating gently until the water penetrates, then almost immediately the wall collapses and the whole thing disappears into the surf. Later. 
At least six people dead after some guy went into the King Supers on Table Mesa in Boulder and started shooting people with a long gun. Whatever that is. A rifle? Should I know? I wanted to write six people dead after a mass shooting, but that robs the agent of his agency and makes it sound like the dead died of shock instead of being pierced by bullets. Perhaps this is the next phase. Normal returns in the form of dead-eyed men with weapons entering random places of business and opening fire. The mass shooters came back before theater, before choir. They came right back, no problem, as soon as it was safe for them to do so. Ate a huge chunk of bread at dinner, mindlessly ate it, then realized I was eating it mindlessly, then mindfully ate it, bite upon bite, slathered with butter, way too much. Ate the whole fucking thing. Dark gray evening. Most of the snow melted today. It doesn't look like spring or any particular season. A purgatorial waiting room of a season. March 23rd. Cold walk around the neighborhood. Wind occasionally bearing sparse swirls of big wet snowflakes. It does feel like spring, I suppose. Green grass, cold air. Springtime in Colorado. I remember riding the bus to work the day after Columbine. There was such a sickening heaviness. No one smiled. No one spoke. I don't believe shootings had that effect anymore. I forced myself to read an article about the victims today. The one that sticks in particular was a developmentally delayed woman who had worked at King's for 30 years as a checker. She loved going to Buffs games with her college-age companion. The companion said she had great dimples but in the picture they printed in the New York Times, I couldn't see them. I do think about it being shot, seeing Des shot, seeing a spot of blood appearing on John's back, then him collapsing. I imagine the sound would seem strangely distant, divorced from the proceedings, because I've seen too many movies where people are murdered in slow motion, slowly place their palms in their chests, open their mouths slow and silent and disbelieving. On Broadchurch, the mom breaks down in a grocery store when she sees a box of Cocoa Puffs, presumably her murdered son's favorite cereal. I would certainly break down at the sight of Skittles or sour gummy peach rings if... March 24th. John took Dez to parents' house before work today. I got Dez up. He rolled out of bed, brushed his teeth, dressed, and was gone. And here I am in the empty house. As long as they were here with me, I could cling to the illusion of perfect safety. Out there equals guns, cars, collapsing overpasses, falling rocks, rabid dogs. And here equals breaking ladders, slippery floors, steep staircases, listeria-riddled fruit, heart attacks, and aneurysms and brain tumors. So there's that. It's maddening. You know, especially people who are more afraid of vaccines than they are of the virus. Those are not people who understand risk. I was happy to get vaccinated. I felt obligated to get vaccinated, just like I felt obligated to wear a mask. And I don't understand people who are able to get vaccinated refusing to do so. I don't understand it. Unless, unless, you know, unless they have a sound medical reason not to do it. It's like doing your part. You know, you just go out and do your part. And, and it's just like wearing a mask or, or taking appropriate precautions. 
you know, vaccinations, that's a part of it. This is how we can, this is how we can move on as a country. I mean, they, you talk about vaccination passports, but in a way the vaccination itself is a passport. It's, it, it, at least in my mind, it was like, okay, I'm cleared. I'm cleared to engage in almost normal activities. Had you been worried? Did it make you feel less worried and anxious once you got the shot? It, yeah. I had been, I had been worried that I, I would get it and maybe spread it to one of my friends or whatever, or that like somebody else would get it and spread it to me or that I would spread it to somebody who was high risk or whatever. But now that has next to no chance of happening and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, we went to a mega site, uh, which was some of them in New Jersey or big sports arenas and whatever. This one was in a now defunct Lord and Taylor department store. Uh, at a mall that's kind of it's one of those sort of half dead malls, so it still looked a lot like a Lord and Ta- an empty but Lord and Taylor department store because it had these fancy sort of marble columns and escalators and jewelry cases and all of that, but they were completely empty and the whole place was full of um, like nightclub rope. So for crowd control, because they were designed to have, I would, yeah, definitely thousands of people per day. I don't know how many thousands per day, but thousands of people per day are supposed to get vaccinated there. And so they, it just, the whole department store floor was this maze of um, posts and, and rope to do crowd control. And it was run by FEMA and the National Guard. So you would you know get squirted with sanitizer and get your temperature checked on your forehead going in and then you'd be ushered around by people in uniform wearing camo um it was extremely efficient the nurse was very chatty and friendly the one each of the nurses who gave me the the vaccine um so it was a very efficient and friendly operation but also surreal to be in it felt a little bit like a zombie movie to have you know the <laughs> a department store converted into this sort of post-apocalyptic uh, FEMA and National Guard run sort of thing. It was weird. It was very weird, but impressive overall. It was. I would recommend it. <laughs> I would recommend the mega site. Dr. Trump got the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, he spent lots of hours in the lab doing research and uh, and that's probably partially why he got this vendetta about the uh, election uh, while he was working on the vaccine he uh, just you know he kind of had a, a stroke yeah Dr. Trump yeah, I mean, he, you would resent it. You put in all that work, you come up with this vaccine that's going to save tens of thousands of lives or whatever. 
Yeah, and, and get like, himself out of debt. Yeah, get himself out of pay, debt. Pay all the bankruptcies back to the people that he totally screwed. March 28th. How perfect, really, that a huge freighter ship, four football fields in length, has been stuck horizontally in the Suez Canal since Tuesday, blocking all global commerce from passing, costing someone $10 billion a day. We are all connected, have been, continue to be. And sometimes only the most ludicrous evidence of this will do. April 6th. Hard, fast walk in the near dark. Cold and humid and everything sharply, vividly green after a few hours of rain. Saw a fox and three kits running across the street, then pausing in the driveway on Colorado Avenue. The mother sitting stick straight, looking right at me, her tail wrapped around her feet while the babies tussled in the grass. The bridge over I-25 still has justice for Elijah scrawled on it in black. The bare stems of some plastic flowers taped to the fence. April 11th. Today I got up at 7, meticulously made John's birthday cake, took off to Wendy's house around noon so she could take the boy to football, and drove south on Santa Fe, exited on bowls for the first time in my life. The suburbs are so cool and green, and the roads wind. I came out to a big intersection after driving through actual farmland and past beautiful white farmhouses and silos that looked like they'd been airlifted in from some other place or time. And there was Columbine High School. Have I ever actually driven by there? I don't think so. I drove just for a few minutes more, then took a left into the King Supers parking lot, parked and went inside. Past an altar with columnar candles and black memorial ribbons, one for each of the people murdered up in Boulder a few weeks ago. Went to the pharmacy, checked in with a pleasant young tech who checked my insurance card and fished a slim stack of paper bearing my name out of a plastic bin and asked me to take a seat. I did. Finally, a door labeled pharmacy consultant opened and a tall white man appeared and called my name. I followed him into the tiny room. I sat down without being asked. I had unbuttoned my coat and overshirt while I was waiting, so I whisked them off right away, bearing my left arm. The white man warned me of a little pinch. I felt it. He pulled the needle out and stuck a band-aid on my arm, gave me a little card with verifications, attestations, dates. Then I was free to go, although he did ask me to stick around for 10 to 15 minutes just in case. I left the pharmacy consulting chamber and went back to the side chair with my bare arms still hanging out and set the time on my phone for 10 minutes. At about 8 minutes, I stood up and headed out to Dez's game in Wheat Ridge, many miles up north. And here I am, cold green spring evening with a sore arm, halfway there. April 19th. Snow again. Closing statements completed in the Derek Chauvin trial. Jury has heard their instructions and are deliberating. Fear and apprehension of what either verdict, any verdict, will bring. April 20th. Jury finds Derek Chauvin guilty of murder. April 21st. More snow today. Derek Chauvin found guilty, yes, but a teenage girl was murdered by police in Ohio right around the time the verdict was announced. Cynthia said at book club today that the mountains are beautiful, but they were born of chaos. We are now in the chaos, I think she was saying, but mountains might eventually rise. When another uh, disease comes along, I think we'll be prepared, or another virus, because we got the vaccine out in 
less than a year. And it, it used to take years and years and years. And we're going to be prepared next time. We're going to be prepared. It's going to take my might take less than half a year. And I, and it, it's not going to make us scared. It's going to we're going to know how to wear masks. We're going to know how to social distance. It's going to ring a bell. It's going to ring a bell every time. Every time. What are the predictions now? I mean, is herd immunity even something? I mean, do you think about that? Or is that too much a thing? Is that gesture toward hope too much? Yeah, I think we're so far off that I can't process that. Yeah, I think you're right that there's this sort of, I don't know what it is, if it's PTSD or defense, self-defense, you know, self-delusion, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I don't allow, and I certainly don't force myself to think about those things. Because with the current number of people who are refusing, well, we're never going to get there. I, all right, we'll we'll get there, but a bunch of them have to get infected to get to herd immunity. And it just doesn't bear thinking about. You know, I think uh, I'm optimistic that this country can survive. We've survived quite a few different uh, things. And uh, uh, if we can survive ourselves, you know, and, and, and get on the same, we can't all be on the same program, but we just got to work together to solve the problems. You know, we wouldn't have won any wars if each platoon was shooting from the different foxtails at one another. So, you know, it just, but yeah, I think, you know, We've always, uh, this country's always been well when it's been challenged. And uh, <laughs> we're challenged now, big time, so. Politically, you know, I'm not very optimistic at the moment. I think we're at a very difficult point. And that with the militias, the people buying guns. I don't know, I've never been a big believer in civil war or civil unrest, but I don't know, I think it's possible. There are a lot of people who are unhappy and who have access to guns. And I think, I think the political situation and the pandemic together have really stirred people up. And I see that when I'm driving. I mean, there are crazy drivers out there. There's somebody doing a U-turn in the middle of Yale today. Just like, what? What? You know, go to the corner, go to, yeah. No, in the middle of the block, in the middle of the street. May 8th. The reality is the U.S. might never reach herd immunity. This week, that was the big story. We will never reach that threshold due to vaccine hesitancy and the variants that arise opportunistic in the meantime. Andrea says that there is a theory that a coronavirus that now only causes mild illness was a pandemic in the 1890s, but over time it lost virulence and gained transmissibility, found its evolutionary sweet spot. On the daily, they said it is likely that COVID-19 will circulate in the population for the next 20 to 40 years. Des could reasonably have unvaccinated babies we will have to protect from the respiratory droplets of irresponsible strangers. 
and friends. I suppose it was ever thus. We remain bad at weighing risk as a species. So it will linger in the population, another toxic thing that we in our American exceptionalism learn to tolerate, like guns, something preventable we decide not to prevent. We tolerate, we nurture, we double down. Eventually, occasional outbreaks will be a point of pride, another notch in our belt for refusing to do what we're told. Those deaths will be invisible. We'll remain invisible. They will become part of the price we must pay for freedom, whatever freedom is. I just think we'll be all so grateful to be able to spend time together in a quasi-normal way. So the, the best thing about it will be with your closest friends and family to enjoy each other's company without the specter <laughs> hanging over you at least not as dramatically as it has been. Maybe it'll still be there, but yeah. Um, the things I hope will not come back are excessive travel, whether long distance or local commutes. I think certain kinds of gatherings, there's no substitute for being together for a conference. And so I, I'm looking forward to conferences coming back, but some work stuff that is just, bad sandwiches. I don't know. Why are we doing this? Bad sandwiches, bad conversation. Why? Well, let's just skip it. <laughs> I just want to see my family again. <laughs> like I'm going to be seeing my cousins for the first time in 18 months. And I'm going to be seeing my aunt and uncle in their state for the first time in for years i think for years it's going to be free years um and also going to places that i vaguely remember going to it uh now now i think i'm just blessed just being able to be there for a day i realized how amazing that was just to go there for a week and now i'm like okay well I should have been more grateful. I was watching a video of an old ACDC concert from like 10 years ago. And it was like in Argentina or something. The crowd was going berserk. It was a mob of people. And it looked so fun. <laughs> it really looked fun. And, um,. You know, there's some things like, like for instance, seeing a soccer game live when the stadium is full and the people are really, really engaged with what's going on, um, or a crowded bar watching a game where everyone's engaged. And being part of that communal experience, um, and nothing, there's no substitute for that. It's amazing, and I'm looking forward to experiencing some of that again. That'd be cool. I've always wanted to sail across the Atlantic. I think I'd vomit a lot. But I was going to say, clearly, you're not your your mother's daughter, and that, but you are. I mean, I could not. I can't even look at a ship crossing the Atlantic. You think? I I really want to do it. I think it would. I think it would be. I think as an earthling, um, 
as the descendant of whalers. I don't know. I just feel like I sh I should be able to to weather that. And we were Billy and I were talking about whether that might come back sooner than flying, and maybe this would be the time to do it. Second shot tomorrow. My right hand burns from where I crumbled chili arbol over the broccolini earlier. John went to the urgent care today with a huge weepy purplish blister on his elbow, which turned out to be bursitis. The doctor gave him an antibiotic shot and a 10-day course of more antibiotics. That could have killed him, that infected bursa. It could have gone septic and infiltrated the rest of his body. Again, risk is hard to gauge. Victoria stretches out at my feet. Cortland rattles his cage, begging for a lettuce leaf. I hear Des singing downstairs. Soon he'll come up to go to bed. A cold rain falls. Today is Saturday, May 8th, 2021, and I am 47 years old. Blackout Time Passes is written and produced by Ellen Graham and co-produced by me. I also did the sound design, some scoring, and editing. Ellen Graham writes plays, screenplays, and narrative nonfiction. Her work has been produced in Chicago, Columbus, New York City, and in her hometown of Denver. That's here, where she's worked with many companies, including Buntport and Toto2, Benchmark, Pandemic Collective, Paragon, and the Denver Center. She is the founder of Feral Assembly, a resident playwright and programming curator at Theater 29 Denver, a co-founder of Shocking Beyond Belief Films, and a member of the Dramatist Guild of America. To learn more about Ellen and her work, please visit www.feralassembly.com. If you'd like to get a hold of us or anything else, Low Orbit is on all the social media places, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Low Orbit Podcast. And if you want, you can just email me at josh at rocketfromearth.com. We'll have all those links in the show notes. And that's going to wrap up this series for now. We've got some kind of amazing things planned for the future, so you should stay tuned. We've got a few regular episodes and then another mini-series coming your way. So stay tuned for that. But this feed will be dark for a few weeks while we work on everything. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. And you were too big.